Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of challenge, success, and inspiration, along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here is your host, Sally A. Curtis. Good evening, good morning, and good day to you all. Welcome to another episode of Success Secrets Exposed. Today, we're going to be talking about the simple secrets to sustainable scaling. And I'm super excited to be able to share our guest, Krista, with you today because we're very much kindred spirits in colour and mischief. So we'll be sharing quite a lot with you today. So those that are new to the show um, and don't know me as yet, I'm a content repurposing whiz for speakers, authors and coaches. And I help them turn their existing content into new engagement and lead generation strategies through simple repurposing. For example, we regularly turn our clients' books into two years' worth of social media posts that help them increase their visibility, their credibility, and their profitability online. So now let me share a little bit of backstory of Krista, our guest today. Krista Grasso is very much a serial entrepreneur. She's an international lean business consultant. So I'm going to be finding out a little bit more about what lean is all about. So she's a business consultant, a coach, and she's also an accessory brand owner. She is the creator of both the Lean Out Method and the 90-Day Lean Out Planner. Krista has been helping businesses achieve accelerated results and increase profitability for more than two decades. She's known as the business optimizer, and Krista has the ability to quickly cut through the noise and focus on those optimizing the core things that make the biggest impact in growth and scaling a business. And she specializes in identifying the most important things that uh, business owners should be focusing on right now that will actually drive maximum value for their clients as well as maximum profits for the business. So please help me welcome to the show, Krista Grasso. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Thank you. I am too. I, As I said to you before, when we were just meeting, I've had an absolute fabulous time stalking on your website and having a play. So I did very much realise we were very much kindred spirits. So thank you for joining me. Um, I'd love you to share a little bit about, I suppose, the backstory of how you came to discover the lean out method and what led you to the, you know, the quest that you're on now. Yeah, absolutely. I think like so many entrepreneurs journeys, it was very much a winding road. And I don't think <laughs> I ever could have pictured myself right where I am today. <laughs> so okay. when I, 
I feel like that's so common for so many people. And I think that's kind of the beauty and the mystery of what we do is you never quite know where you're going to go, but somehow it always works out even better than you could have imagined. (laughs) So if we rewind back uh, to my college days, I was a fine art major. And one thing that I always knew was that I wanted to have my own business. I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to work for myself and do something creative. So I was a fine art major for a while. And then as I was getting close to graduation, started getting a little nervous (laughs) and I started thinking, I'm going to run my own business. Maybe I should actually know something about business. So I ended up actually graduating with a business degree and a whole lot of college debt, as we all do. And I decided I was going to work for a few years while I figured out what I wanted to do for my creative business. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that one of my morning customers at a Starbucks that I was managing gave me this really interesting job opportunity. And he said, I have this position I think would be really great for you, but I need you to start right away. And the only way I can have you start right away is if you come in as a consultant. I had no idea what a consultant was. All I knew was I just got a job. It paid good. I was excited. So I said, yes. (laughs) And it turns out that the job that I had stepped into ended up being a job in project management in a lean manufacturing company. So something, yeah, totally random. And if this opportunity hadn't presented itself, I would probably be on a very different path today. But the job that I thought I was going to do just for a couple of years to pay off some college debt ended up being something that I absolutely loved. Absolutely loved it. And I did actually launch my jewelry business. So it took me a few years to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I launched a business called Chris Cara, which is still uh, in existence today. And we're celebrating our ninth anniversary this month, which is exciting. Um, But in doing that business, I made all of the rookie mistakes that one can make in launching a jewelry business. And when you make mistakes in a product-based business, they're very expensive mistakes. So I put myself in a whole lot of debt. I worked myself into the ground. I ended up very, very close to burnout. I did have some health complications. I developed an ulcer. I could go on and on. There was all sorts of things. I was the poster child for the things I tried to help my clients not to do now. But What ended up happening was I was faced with this really tough decision in the business where I knew I couldn't keep going the way that I was. Either I had to close the business and give up on what was one of my dreams, or I had to listen to my sales reps that kept telling me to move manufacturing overseas to China and cut all my prices. And that didn't feel right to me. That didn't really fit with my values and and just principles. And so I was left with the decision of, if I really want to keep this business and I want to keep production in the U S and feel really confident about what I'm doing, I have to figure this out. And that was when I realized why am I getting all of these businesses I'm consulting with all of these amazing results over here? Well, I'm struggling so bad over here. And my business was as far from lean as you could get. (laughs) And it was that realization and that epiphany that I'm avoiding all of these principles, all of these practices that work so well for these big businesses, because Mm -hmm. I just had a disconnect. I've got this small brand. It's not the same as these big Fortune 500 companies I'm consulting with. And I finally had that epiphany and realized, wait a minute. The principles and the practices are all solid. I just have to figure out how to make them work for my business at my scale within my kind of, you know, vision for what I have for this business. And Mm. that was how Lean Out Method was born. So, Wow. Um, And that's actually interesting because you've, uh, for me, there's so so many epiphanies and sort of uh, mirrors over there. I've had uh, product businesses uh, myself and they are, it is a very different process when you're selling something tangible versus when you're selling something intangible when you move into the um, sort of more of the coaching consulting business. It's less tangible than, a you know, I've got a piece of jewellery or in my case it was a kids craft gift box you know there's a little bit of a different process and yes you can throw money at both of them um, and it goes down that hole very very rapidly but what I've also picked up on there is that shift also in mindset when you have that epiphany especially when you're working with big companies and you know that you get you get phenomenal results and then we look at our own business 
but we look at it in, in my case it was but I've got an SME I, I'm this I'm not that I'm this in that comparison mode there's a significant shift in mindset that occurs so can you remember what that was for you that helped you um, obviously the for me, it was the world of pain and then it was like, you know, I sort of kick the cat sort of thing and I've got to, right, that's it, I've just got to stop this and you sort of work it out. What was the sort of epiphany or the shift in mindset for you around that? What helped with that? Yeah, honestly, it was pure desperation and I'm grateful in hindsight for it. But really, I just, I was at that point where I truly, my health was at an all-time mm. low. At the time, my husband and I were business partners. That did not work out super well. Our marriage was not a, a great place. Like just everything was really at that breaking point where it was make or break time. It was truly make or break time. And anybody looking at just our numbers and looking at, you know, what we had would have said to shut the business down. But yeah. I am as stubborn as they come. And so I was like, I am going to find a way. I am going to make this work. And so I did something that I hadn't done in years. Mm. And I took an entire week away from the business. And I did nothing but just think and strategize and got out my whiteboard and my sticky notes and really just said, what am I doing that's working? What am I doing over here that's not working? And I tried to do the thing that I think is so hard for us to do, which is look objectively at our own business. Um, But I really tried to take the Krista as the designer hat off and say, if I were consulting with my own business and Mm. I hired me to consult with my business, what would I see and what would I do? And it was that that really had me realize I'm just overlooking all of this right here that I'm doing in these other businesses that I can totally make work for my business. And I need to get over the fact that I have this cool artistic brand and these are these big corporate companies and it doesn't matter because I can apply it in my own way, but Mm. the principles and practices are solid. Brilliant. And we, and as you said, that was where your the lean method came from. So what was the, um, I suppose, the very first steps? What were you, when you've got the, um, and if, if it's anything like me, you've got the whiteboard, you've got the coloured post-it notes, there's tears, there's tissues, there's coffee, there's chocolate, sometimes there's wine, um, and then there's a tantrum and then you go back to the whiteboard. What was your, um, what was, what did, when you re-looked at it at fresh eyes after sleep or, or, or whatever, when you looked at what you had created um, and you've had that, oh, my God, it's staring me right in the face moment. What were those elements? Because these are obviously going to be the common elements that you're now working with other businesses and where the lean um, system and methodology helps others. What what jumped off the page for you? Yeah, the irony is, right, as I figured this out, it was in a product-based business, whereas today I use Lean Out Method primarily for coaching, consulting, and service-based mm. businesses, and the things were the same. When I looked at my business, I had too much complexity. There were so many steps to do everything that it was super hard to sustain. And it was like my brain couldn't shut off even if I wasn't actively working because there were so many steps and I didn't have a lot of things systematized or documented. So it was all dependent on me to remember them. And you'd have those oh blank moments in the middle of the night where you'd be like, did I, I don't know if I sent that email and I need to send the email because the shipment has to go out tomorrow. And it was just, I had so much complexity and a big lack of systems um, was one. I had so many products. I had so many products. I designed like an artist in the beginning and Mm. everything I did, I over, I designed it like an artist in the sense that it was absolutely brilliant and the quality was absolutely brilliant. And it was something that only another artist might ever notice or appreciate. appreciate. (laughs) It was something that I was doing what I wanted to do and what I thought was right. Instead of looking at what do my clients actually want? And they would rather the product be $10 cheaper and not have this extra little thing that they don't even notice. And so I had to start thinking like a buyer and not thinking like a designer. Um, so I started, had to start thinking like a business owner instead of an artist, which was a big one. And I think we do that in any type of business when we're very passion-fueled. We lead with our passion instead of leading with that business decision about what we need to do. Um, so yeah, it was simplifying. It was eliminating a lot of SKUs. So just a lot of products. And I see this all the time with coaching businesses. They've got 18 different products and you talk about what you're going to do the next quarter and it's launching something new and building something new and constantly jumping to new instead of trying to really sell and optimize what they already have. I was the poster child for that as well. 
Um, mm. But it was really just so much complexity and so few systems. And it was really me and my husband doing all of the work ourselves. We didn't have yeah. much of a team. Team, yes, the team becomes very important there. Something I um, and I, I would love to dig into this because this is always an interesting topic: the um, the productization and the launching this and the launching that. Uh, because one of the philosophies that I come across uh, very regularly is this: um, launch twenty, keep three. So this, you know, every quarter launch something new, launch something new, launch something new looking for that what's going to stick with the customers versus, you know, what's your core um, inner genius and let's create something uh, around that based and, again, based on what the client um, needs because what um, as business owners we get all very clever knowing what we know, thinking that the market wants this and then, it, you know, it flatlines and it's not quite right. So that's where we're not thinking like a buyer or in a lot of cases not actually asking our buyers what they need and or not actually listening so how when it comes to I'm going to go more for the coaches and the coaches and probably the consultants but certainly the, co- the coaches especially as they come new into the market they've got a real key in a genius they're really good at something they've actually determined and they are clear on that and they know how they serve but they still get taught uh, to launch something new all the time so they so they're always almost productizing but they're launching so they get into this whirlwind of being on another version of a hamster wheel what's some of your tips around helping people lean out that process yeah that that's such a great question because I see that so often too and I think that people are done a disservice when they're told that because they inadvertently put themselves on a hustle hamster wheel and then wonder why they can't keep up and they don't do the same thing for long enough to really have the opportunity to optimize it and get the full results from what they're doing. So I think you said a few things in there that were really gold. And one of the core things when I look at a business and a really solid business model is want your core scalable signature offer. That one thing that you're known for, that one core problem that you solve for one core audience. And if somebody's describing you, it's like, oh, you've got to go to Sally. She's the person who. And I think you really want that. And that's key. And if you have that, you can experiment with different ways of launching that same thing to see what lands, but it's not a different product. It's different packaging or sometimes different positioning around that. And I'll give an example. I have a workshop that I teach quite often called Simplify to Scale, which leads into my Simplify to Scale program. And what I do periodically is the content's 95% the same, but I will put something very relevant on top of it. Like I teach the same workshop going into summer that says how to make time off non-negotiable this summer. The slides are the same. The content is the same. The upsell offer is exactly the same, but I've taken that and I've just positioned it in a way that's super timely and relevant. Um, Yep. That was the key word that came straight up to me. You've made it relevant to the timing and what the audience is going through at the time. And that's, yeah, beautifully said. Thank you. Keep going. Yeah. So I think that's it. I mean, I think that's really it is get clear on, and in the beginning, right, I always, because I talk, as you know, about scaling a lot. And I talk Mm. about the fact that you need to simplify before you scale and just Mm. picture in your mind for a moment an hourglass that's wide at the top, pinched in the middle and wide at the bottom. And what I think you're doing in the early days of entrepreneurship or even in the early days of a brand new offer is you're experimenting with different things to see what works. So you've got more stuff going in the top that you're trying to figure out, but you need to constantly be leaning out, leaning out, leaning out cutting the things that aren't working and getting more refined in your positioning, Mm. more refined in your packaging, more refined in your pricing, and Mm. just making sure that you're really clear on exactly the nuances of that niche that you want to serve. And maybe you go deeper into the problem that you want to solve, but you're just refining, refining, refining. And once you've nailed it, once you've hit that like small Mm. point in the middle, that's when you flip it. And that's what you want to scale. That's what you want to amplify. And I think depending on where you're at in your journey, you might be at a place where you're in an experimentation mode and it's okay to experiment, but you don't want to keep adding. You need to start taking things out and you're much 
<laughs> better experimenting in the way that I described, where it's more of a slight positioning shift than mm-hmm. it is actually creating a new offer, a new program every month, because mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to deliver it. You're not going to be able to sustain it. And you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to get repeat results enough to see what's really working. Yeah. I, what, uh, the image that came into my mind there, it's the difference between chasing lots of bright, shiny butterflies versus having that one butterfly and you just change a few of its sparkles on it as you need to. Um, so you've, you're not chasing all of the different things. You've got a butterfly and you just go, I think, think I'm going to put, you know, pink sequins on it today or I'll put blue sequins on it. But you're just cha- just changing it slightly, but you're, st- you're remaining with that core um, butterfly so that was and beautifully described as it relates to the lean out method so you talk about um, leaning and uh, scale so how does lean and scale go hand in hand so let's walk you th- walk through um, I suppose your inner genius around the lean to scale uh, process or method absolutely because sometimes people are like if you're teaching lean, that's not really scaling. <laughs> like actually, if you're scaling without being lean, you're not setting yourself up for sustainable success. So in, in my mind, they go hand in hand. You really shouldn't do one without the other. And here's why. So for those who maybe aren't familiar with the concept of lean, it's really all about how do you add maximum value for your clients and profit for your business while having minimal waste? So really, at the end of the day, are you doubling down on and focusing on the things that add the most value, add the most profit and eliminating everything else, which is really what we want. We want to eliminate all the noise and all the distractions and all the bright, shiny objects and all the things that we think are going to get us better results that actually slow us down and keep us from the results that we want. And so that's really what lean is. If you think about what scaling is, right, scaling is when you find that thing that's working and you're amplifying it and Mm -hmm. you're really looking at how you can get better results from the thing you're doing. So typically when you're in a place of scale in your business, you are making a greater impact, you're making Mm -hmm. greater revenue, but you're not having your resources required to support that go up at the same pace, which means it's not taking as much time and you're making more profit. A problem with growth is if you just look at revenue numbers, it looks amazing. But if you look at profitability, you can actually make less profit when you're growing than you do. Whereas with scale, your profitability is going up. And so if you want to be decreasing the resources that you need while you expand and amplify your impact and revenue, that really requires that you simplify. It requires that you lean out and that you get rid of all the stuff that doesn't matter. So again, if you think about the funnel analogy, you want to lean things down to that one point in the middle. And it's that point that you want to then flip and amplify and try to get the maximum results from that you possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliantly explained. So for those um, that are in that, um, I suppose, in that process, and for me, I you sort of almost in that uh, scaling, growing, changing, updating systems. That's how it's experienced for me. But that, what I'm also hearing in that, that scale, grow, update systems, scale, grow, update systems is actually um, part and potentially part of the problem um, that I'm experiencing um, is if uh, with the lean out, with your lean system, that actually rectifies that growth systems issue by the sounds of it, doesn't it? So can we can um, we talk about that? Because I think that's a common thing I also see with uh, with businesses as they grow. You, you and, and interestingly enough, isn't it interesting? It's another version of a hamster wheel because the hamster wheel goes into system creation, system creation. Um, so let's can you provide some examples uh, and some I suppose stories around that? And if we want to go back and forth with some questions, we will do that because I think that. Um, particularly for the audience that we have, they, they're, you know, they found their thing, they're doing their thing, they're really successful at it, they want more impact, um, but they, they get stuck in these, and we refer to them as growth pains. So, um, yeah, love to hear some, um, some uh, tips and ideas or stories around getting yeah. over that. 
Absolutely. So I think when you want to sustainably scale your business or when you want to really move through growth in a way that you're not killing yourself in the process, to me, there's four key components that you really need. And it's the right blend of strategy, planning, systems, and team. And again, I think all four really have to fit together. So strategy is you've got your vision. You've got whatever that big, bold vision is that you have for your business. You've got your goals that are in the more near term What are the strategies you're going to follow? What are the way that you're going to do it? How are you going to structure your business model? It's all of those types of discussions. And then the planning comes into, great, and now tactically, what are you going to do to be able to get there? Your systems is how you get your repeat results and how you get there in the most streamlined, simple way possible through your team. And sometimes some of the mistakes that I see is when people are in a period of growth, if you think about what's happening, you're growing. So you have more customers coming, you have more things coming at you. So the complexity is skyrocketing, but your time is also skyrocketing that you're investing in your business. So the idea of taking a pause to create a system or to take a pause and really hire in a smart strategic way, instead of just picking the first person who could spell what you're trying to, you know, have somebody do, right? It's, you're just so overwhelmed. It's hard to make those really great decisions. And so in an ideal world, you want to do this proactively. But if you Mm -hmm. are in a place where that's where you're at, (laughs) then I think what you do have to do is you have to carve out the space to create some systems and to hire, and you've got to hire in a really intentional way so that you're getting the right people because Mm -hmm. a poor hiring decision, it actually costs you more headache in the long term than it does to be a little bit more patient and find a really good person. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, that totally resonates um, from me with what you said there around the the hiring the right person. Um, and, again, if I look back in past years, it's, yep, yep, that person's good. We've done some work before. Yep, beautiful. Um, no job description. A bit of I just need this done right now because we're in that a, a reactive mode. I just need this done right now. Um, and you get through the process and then the, the ability for that person to ad- be adaptive and grow with you is prop becomes problematic and then you've and then there's that um hire you bring in that next person so I know I've certainly done that for myself and when I've worked with some bigger organizations that I found it very funny sitting in uh, in 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 a different driver's seat from um and having fresh eyes going oh my god they're just they're finding all these problems but they're just throwing people at them 
Um, and these people can't sort of, there's no system, so they're just putting more people at it and more people at it. Um, and as, as we know, that just means potentially more knocks on the door, which means you're losing more time because you haven't, you've hired too, either too many, the wrong person or you've got too many people doing too many things or too many of the wrong things that they sort of can't work out where they fit uh, in the team process. So that team, that team element becomes so very, very important and it is, um, as you say, so important to pause um, and do it um, with a better mindset, with a better um, with better outcomes in 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 mind. You also talked about uh, when I was on the uh, looking on the website your um, your simplified process, and we talked about, you talk about practicing the Kazan. So can you t- talk us through some of that, that that process as well, just for those people that aren't familiar with that process. Absolutely. So Kaizen is a lean concept and it means making small continuous improvements and changes for the better. And to me, how this breaks down is I think we need periods of regular reflection in our business. Mm -hmm. So something that I do as part of the strategic planning that I teach to all my clients is you should reflect at the end of every day, at the end of every week, the end of every month, quarter, year. Whenever you sit down to do planning, your planning should Mm -hmm. always start with reflection because Mm -hmm. there's much that you can learn. And there's so many opportunities for optimization. And I think optimization is one of those overlooked things because entrepreneurs, we love bright, shiny, sexy new things. But optimization is really where all of the money is. Mm. It's where you get time back in your business. And I think when you have that regular cadence of reflection and of continuous improvement in your business, it just helps you to optimize. And I think that in order to do that, not only do you need the space for the reflection, but you also want to look at both a blend of quantitative and qualitative measures. Because it's one thing to look at the results that you're getting, and you should. You should be making data-driven decisions in your business. But I think you also need to look at the qualitative aspects. And an example of this I give all the time is one of my clients had come to me and we had put some great systems in place and we had put some strategic planning in place and we had relooked her business model and she ended up tripling her revenue. It was amazing. But when we looked at how she did it, she was working way too hard. She ended up not actually leaning a lot of her time out. She leaned a lot of business out, but she just refilled that time with more stuff. And so we looked at it and I said, if we just looked at the quantitative data and looked at the numbers, you'd say, keep doing exactly what you're doing. But because we also ask very intentional questions of how much are you working? How do you feel? Is this still in alignment? Does this feel fulfilling? Because we look at those aspects of it as well, it became really apparent that she was not at a sustainable pace, that we Mm. needed to course correct and reimagine her schedule and reimagine how she was approaching things. And some of it was strategically redesigning her schedule. Some of it was mindset of you don't actually have to work this much and refill that space in with new things, Um, (laughs) which by nature, we just tend to do, right? Give us a vacuum, we will fill it. (laughs) So, It was a blend, but that's where I think Kaizen comes in and really supports us is not only having that regular reflection and building it into what you do, but also making sure that you are looking and blending both quantitative and qualitative Mm -hmm. because together is where I think you're able to really make smart decisions in your business. Yeah, yeah, beautifully explained. And something that really resonated with me um, there as well was the reflection and the optimization. So the link that I actually drawn. Uh, drawn through reflection and if I look, think of my journal I remember uh, at different times I've gone back backwards through my journal uh, as you do and gone oh my god that's the answer to that question that I asked oh my god that 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 you know three months ago that little statement thing adds to what I said last week and that's for me, for me has been where the optimization or the oh my god I can do it that way um, epiphanies come in um, but I didn't I hadn't joined the dots as to how reflection actually helps you optimize if you're doing that type of thing um, we just think that's you know you get into the habit of oh that's just journaling we're just being grateful um, but it's actually more than that so that's um, exciting and that's as you said where you help uh, course correct and you know um, get your directionality back again as well so that's awesome thank you 
So what um, are the the main reasons that somebody would come to you? So we'll just give people a bit more of an idea of um, how people come to you and what you're able to help them with and the journey that you take them on. Yeah, absolutely. So I think by, most people come to me in a state of complete overwhelm. That's usually I am the I will help you simplify. I will help you eliminate unnecessary complexity. But really, when people come to me, they've got a good thing going. It's they've been able to grow their business. They've proven something. They have a lot of customers. They've got revenue coming in. It's actually a really exciting place to be. But it's also a scary and draining place to be because everything is dependent on you, or at least it feels like everything is dependent on you. You either don't have a team around you or a lot of times it's not the right team around you or you just don't know how to fully manage that team in a way to let them really shine and be the high performing team that you're really looking for. Um, There's frequently very few systems or for people who've put systems in place before, they did it because they heard that systems were going to give them freedom. So they carved like six months of their life away to create these systems that they then didn't use and they just collect digital dust because it wasn't done um, again, it's strategy planning systems and team very intentionally integrated. It's not a project to create systems. It's just part of what you do in your business. Um, So usually that's when people come to me. They come to me where they're like, I want to scale. I see the potential. I see the impact. There's so much more, but right now I can barely keep my head above water help. (laughs) So that's the state that most people come to me in. And the first thing that we typically do together is we do a VIP day and we start with All right. Tell me all the challenges that are currently going on and tell me all of the opportunities that you see in your business that you feel like you just aren't getting the time or the ability to be able to to focus on. Because I think people sometimes just need that vent session. They need to be able to get it all out and be like, oh, my team, I can't rely on them. And I want to do this. And then when I'm not working, I'm getting messages from my clients and my team keeps messaging me on Slack. And so it's like they need to just get it all out. And then from there we're able to actually get clear on vision. And I think that you need to have clarity on where you want to go from a long-term vision perspective, because that helps inform all of the decisions in your business. And that's really the backbone of having a lean business. But a lot of times people are so distracted by the noise that they can't focus on vision. So we start with the get out everything that's not working. (laughs) Then we look at vision. Um, And then from there, we look at, okay, great. In order to make this big, bold vision that you have a reality, what needs to change in your business model? Who are the right people that you need around you? And who do you have today versus what are the gaps? Where are the next systems that you need to focus on that's going to either enable you to hire, enable you to delegate, or enable you to create a better experience for your clients? So we get really clear on that. And then we build the plan to get there. And we look at what what we can let go of. Because it's frequently a lot of stuff that needs to be leaned out. But leaning out isn't just a decision that you make in one second and things are poof gone. You've got... Right. Commitments to clients. You've got things on your calendar. You've got things you said you need to do. So it's one thing to commit to lean things out. It's another thing to actually create a plan and do it in a way that doesn't negatively impact your relationship with clients and doesn't negatively impact your cash flow and revenue that's coming into the business. Yeah, there, a couple of things that uh, resonated there for me was the fact that you, um, when you're having your discovery day, and I think this is such an important question, and I don't know whether it's asked as much as we actually assume it is, is we usually go into, you know, what's your challenges and what's the problems and, you know, what are the bottlenecks? But that, you know, what are the opportunities? What are the possibilities? Because as entrepreneurs, we see them um but and we've stored them, but we often haven't uh, verbalized them. And when we're uh, working with somebody else that's got fresh eyes, because of course we don't, uh, we can't often read our own label when we sit inside our own jar. But when we're t- speaking to another expert um, and you're sharing some of those opportunities, they start to come out, and that's where um, the 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 prioritization of the leaning and the opportunities comes in. So that's such a such a great question. Um, there was also another question in there that I wanted to touch based on. Oh, was the um, I loved what you said around the systems, and there were I think there was a, something you said on your website about how so often we get given. I'm going to call it a cardboard cutout, or we buy, or we you know start a cardboard cutout version of a 
system and then for those that are rebellious like me go this doesn't work I don't like it I'm not using it um and that you know that in itself becomes detrimental so this ability to work out how you naturally work and how a system will support you do what you do naturally so can you explore that because I imagine that's a a a bit of an issue for lots of people because they'll go and get their slack they'll get their Monday they'll get their base camp they'll get those traditional project management type tools out there and they're good to a point but they're only often good to a point so can you talk us through some of that side of things as well? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the tools that I use, I have a few tools that I kind of live in. Monday is one of them for me and Miro is another one. But the reason why I like that particular tool, although there's so many that are like this, is I like that it's a blank slate. Some people don't like that because if they don't know how to build up the tool to be what they need it to be, or they don't have the vision for how to organize what they need to do in a way to make it work for them, it's easy to get something off the shelf, which Mm -hmm. then they end up resenting and not liking and don't stick with. But I like that you have the ability to really customize it and build your system into it yourself. And I think that's really important. And so I'll actually help my clients do that is part of what we'll do is we'll brainstorm on how do you work? How do you, what do you need to see? And that's how you build the tool to support you. So I think you, you hit on something really important, which is sometimes people look externally for a system to tell them what to do, whereas Mm. you want to know what you want to do and you want to find a system that does that or a system that you can build to do that. And I think that's the key. That's how you get something that really support you. And when I think about systems, they should help you get consistent, repeatable, positive results in your business. So you want to find something that's working and systematize it so that people are consistently approaching it the same way so that people are consistently getting predictable results with it. And Mm. if you're just pulling something off the shelf and plugging it into your business cookie cutter, that was built based on someone else's context, not based on your context. And so it doesn't always fit you. And then you wonder why you resent it and say, I hate systems and I'm just going to do my own thing. Yep, and I absolutely remember that conversation about 10 years ago because, I, yeah, it was just like, I don't like this. It doesn't work. Um, and, the, and, and then you go back to your old bad ways and then you eventually come back and circle back. But that was the, the biggest thing for me was finding things and that's I've used Monday as well from a, uh, being able to build, We you know, I need a new module, so let me build a new module. The ability to build it in, in a way that it works uh, for me versus me having to learn the way it works because if if it's not intuitive and if it's not easy for me to do then I'm just not going to do it and I I see so many um, people fall into that trap and then as you said they end up resenting it and then don't think systems can work um, but from a you know when you find the right thing the the level of, of comfort and speed and time that it saves you becomes dramatically different. So, yeah, and as a result, you know, a bit of a result, I'm a bit, I suppose, a little bit like a reformed smoker in that I'm, you know, had no systems and then found systems. It's like everybody needs systems now, um, even if they're only little ones, but you've got to find the one that works for you, which I think is that key, is the key message in that there as well. What are some of the other sort of common, um, I suppose, myths um, that you experience that we might as well bust while we can uh, for the viewers today? Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to scaling in particular, I think scaling is touted as more. Scaling is touted as addition. And I don't think that's what scaling is at all. I think if that's how you approach scaling, it's not going to be sustainable. You're going to end up putting yourself on a hustle hamster wheel and you're not going to really get the results that you want. When I see scaling, I see scaling as subtracting first (laughs) and then you're amplifying or multiplying what's really working in your business. But what I see people do is they've already got, like, if you think about that funnel, they're already at the widest point of the funnel. They have that thing so full of stuff. And then they're like, I'm going to scale, so I'm going to do more. And then they add more on top of that. And again, the more that you do in your business, like if we just think for one moment about everything that it takes to successfully deliver an offer in your business, you've got to do all of your lead generation for that. You have to do whatever your conversion event is, whether you do something live or you have an automated email or you just put people on a sales call, whatever that is, you've got a system that takes people from just learning about you to ultimately making a decision to work with you. 
And then you think about what it takes to deliver on that particular offer. And then you think about what it takes to make sure that people get results if they show up and take Mm -hmm. action and how you retain Mm -hmm. them and how you get referrals and all of the whole thing. Think of all of that for an offer. The last thing that you want to do is just be like, oh, let me just throw another one in here. No, I'm going to throw another one in here. I'm going to throw another one in here. The complexity just keeps going. Whereas if you look at that funnel, if you look at that end-to-end flow, one little tiny tweak, if you could just get the number of people who hop on a sales call to you to go up by 10%, think about how much more revenue you could bring in your business. If you could double it, think about how much more revenue you could bring in your business. And so that to me is scaling. All of a sudden, Mm. you're amplifying, you're working with more people, you're impacting Mm. more people, you're taking that one hour that you're spending, and all of a sudden, instead of serving one person, you're serving 100 people or 1,000 people or whatever that looks like. To me, that scale, what scale isn't is taking more things and tossing it into the top of the funnel and then wondering why you can't keep up (laughs) with it, right? So that's a big, big myth that I, I really would love to see. I would love to see busted and more yeah. people look at, at simplifying and optimizing to scale instead of looking at more and the means to scale. And that, yes, so true. And I, I'm, I'm giggly laughing there because everyone does do more um, and more, as you said, becomes complex very fast and it becomes fast-paced complex but it really is um yeah wow that's such a great analogy of uh, of the hourglass and it's not a case of putting more in it because by the when people are coming to you and when they're when they've got their business to that point of going wow there's an opportunity here this is actually really working this is great I, I'm, I want to scale they, they want to impact more people, but they need to, as you said, trim down what they're doing so the impact is actually is it at that point. So it then becomes out at that point. So the scaling actually is at the narrowest part, and then the amplification um, is is the is the, the overall result of that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. So let's. Um, sorry, did you want to add something? I was going to say, I can give an example um, because I think people think scale also is like new markets and new things and new, Mm. new, new. And my Simplify to Scale Ops Academy program, it took me a really long time because it takes a lot longer than we would like it to, to really fully optimize that entire flow. I am past the, the point and I am now in the state of amplifying that. And so if you look at that particular program, little simple changes that I could do to it that I will do in the future is the core program is exactly the same. But if I were to take 5% and customize some of the content for a particular audience who's already in my target market. So if I were to do it for people who lead membership sites, if I were to do it for people who have courses, if I were to do it for people who work with corporate, if I were to take my existing target market and take it and just narrow it into a couple different categories, all of a sudden, when you niche down like that, you can amplify it so much more because it becomes so much more relevant to that market. And that's not adding anything new. It's the exact same product, exact same overarching market. It's just getting super niched and narrow within that market. And that's an excellent way to scale. But people will try to do that from day one instead of waiting the three years to get to the point that it's really where it's the right time to be doing something like that. Yeah. So the key phrase that I heard there is uh, is you've actually what you're actually doing is you've got your your signature program for one or your signature thing, um, and you've duplicated it versus bringing in another new program. So you've duplicated mm-hmm. something that's already working um, and then you've amplified it through relevance to a niche in your existing audience versus finding a new market. It's a niche within your market. Um, so that the two words that jumped out was the duplication process, duplication of relevance versus the duplication of target market. Yeah. Completely. And it's just, it's a simple way to, it's a simple way to scale, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
Brilliant. So hopefully everyone can hear that. For those that are going to be watching this uh, later, just replay that last couple of minutes and just replay that a few times so that actually sinks in because that's such a beautiful um, opportunity and certainly busts, busts a regular myth that's out in the marketplace when it comes to growing your business and uh, and scaling. So we've got getting to the few um, the pokey end of the um, of this uh, episode today. So we've got a few more minutes left, and I'd love you to share a little bit more about your waste guide which is um, uh, an opportunity for people to learn a little bit more about you but also have some uh, wins in their business so can I ask you to share a little bit about your waste guide please absolutely so for anyone who's familiar with lean there are uh, known areas of waste in manufacturing and in software development so what I did is I looked and said well how about coaching consulting and service-based businesses what are the areas that those businesses commonly leave a lot of time and a lot of money on the table and have a lot of waste in the business so I identified 10 areas that I see really commonly across coaching consulting and service-based businesses and pulled it all together into a guide for you with some examples and a way to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 as to where you are so you can get clear on where to focus because just eliminating some of that waste in your business does give you back time that you could then take either for yourself or to reinvest in profit producing activities. And it lets you really just find all of the money and optimization opportunity already in your business. And I'm just getting—I'm I'm having a little smile and a little giggle here to myself because that's a perfect example of what we were just talking about uh, in relation to duplicating and relevance. Because you've actually duplicated a proven system and actually made it relevant, uh, provided a resource that's relevant to uh, a niche part of your audience. So uh, we've just demonstrated that process there for you as well. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you today. We've, I've personally learned so much, and I think everybody that's listening in and going to be listening in will have um, had their own um, pain points and then epiphany points uh, because as, as we have our realizations of oh, damn it I'm doing that again um, but we've certainly had some uh, opportunities to just to explore um, new new uh, solutions for ourselves so how can people best get in contact with you Krista? Yeah, my website is leanoutmethod.com. You can find all the things there and if you're a podcast listener you can find me at leanoutpodcast.com. Beautiful. Again, thank you very, very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and thank you so much for sharing so much with us today. It's been greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much, everybody, and we will look forward to seeing you next uh, episode on another uh, episode of Success Secrets Exposed. Till then, have a great week. Take care. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And I trust that you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. You can find this episode along with many more on your favorite streaming platform, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and more. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time for more success secrets exposed with Sally A. Curtis. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.